Mac Power Users, episode 596, 30 iPhone apps for under $10. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, Stephen. How are you? Hey, David. I am good. Man, you are just, you're clicking on all cylinders right now, brother. You've got your uh, your new studio growing out. You know, we talked about that on more power users last time. Where now you've got a calendar out. Congratulations on your very first Kickstarter campaign. Thank you. Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. The Kickstarter campaign is is interesting. I've never had one. I spoke to a lot of people who do a lot of them. Yeah. For advice and you know, questions and I bothered a lot of our friends a lot over the last couple of weeks. But uh, if you haven't seen this, this is a a wall calendar like you'd hang like in your kitchen or office. You know, my house, we have one in the kitchen and family things go on it. And uh, it's uh, it's got a twist, though, that it's all Apple hardware stuff. So it's got really nice product photography of mine as the sort of the imagery for the calendar. And the calendar then highlights a bunch of important dates in Apple's history of hardware. So Macs, phones, tablets, et cetera, you know, when they came out, maybe when some were discontinued, all sorts of trivia that you can use to impress your friends. And uh, it's on Kickstarter uh, for another uh, couple weeks. So I would love if you'd go check it out. And if you've backed it already, thank you very much. Yeah. What really resonates with me are the entries on the days, you know, like, hey, today's the day the Flower Power iMac debuted. Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff makes me smile, you know, I have to admit. But yeah, Kickstarter, what a what a thing to go through. That. Early days when they were getting started, I heard from them. They wanted, you know, because I, I was doing field guides, they're like, why don't you do a field guide through Kickstarter? But field guides aren't like a physical product, you know? It's like, yeah. I can just make it, and when it's done, I can sell it, and you can buy it, and I don't need to, like, go through Kickstarter for that. But the um, but for something like this, where you've got to pay a printer and, and do all that stuff, I think it makes a ton of sense. It's been an adventure. I've actually got uh, two printers uh, that I'm working with and doing the shipping myself. And it's just, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And it's successful. I mean, you've already funded it, um, but it's doing, you know, going gangbusters. So now yeah. suddenly you've got the problem of success. <laughs> I remember right. walking around Macworld years ago with the guy who founded Drobo. Remember Drobo? Mm-hmm. And he's no longer there, Jeff. He, I think he went on to a different company or something. But he was he was talking to me about um, the time. What was that first smartwatch that was a Kickstarter project? The Pebble. Pebble. Yeah, he was talking to me about them because that had just happened. And he's like, "Those guys are so screwed. They're so screwed because they sold like a million units, and they only expected to sell like you know ten thousand. And you know they had no idea how to scale it and. And sure enough, it took them like two or three years to ship. I mean, it was like, it, it was crazy uh, because they were so successful that they just didn't, you know, the little small business they had planned turned into a massive thing. Yeah. Hopefully this doesn't get that far out of control. Well, but, I mean, uh, but for but you, you just hire more printers. I mean, there's, right. there's other printers out there, so you're good. Yeah. Order order more pizza for people to come over and help me pack them. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it's great. And on more power users, we're going to talk about some of the technical stuff behind the issues because making calendar more complicated than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, I'm very pleased for you and I would recommend everybody go check this out. 
today we wanted to talk about iPhone apps because as we look at our iPhones, we've kind of collected new group of apps. Um, we wanted to, you know, historically we've done a lot of these iPhone app shows under $5, but we raised it this time. It's $10 or under. And I think the reason is uh, I really believe, you know, app developers should be able to make a living and I'm okay spending up to $10 on some of this stuff. And there, there's some really great apps that that um, are out there that are very reasonably priced under $10, but still um, over $5 that I think, you know, listeners should hear about. So by raising the limit, it kind of uh, allowed us to bring a lot of apps in that we've never been able to talk about on the show before. So everybody buckle up, uh, hold on to your wallets. This one may cost you. Just going through Steven's list, I've already spent money. So perfect. that is, uh, you know, I'm there with you. I feel your pain. Yeah. This is, is one of those two that you got to the document before I did. I was like, oh, yes. oh man, I come did. on. Like I you did. were in there early this time. <laughs> as soon as we agreed on the show, I was like, I am filling this bad boy up. And uh yeah. anyway. Yeah. So so we're gonna go through these and uh, of course they'll all be in the show notes. I don't think we have any particular order. But uh, the thing that really struck me about this, kind of before we get into them, is man, what an embarrassment of riches on the yeah, app store. <laughs> you know, there, there, it, it reminded me, you remember that old ad campaign? It was like on TV and stuff. Uh, there's an app for that. Yeah. A- Apple had that campaign for a long time and it really <laughs> has held up really well. There's so yeah. many things out there that, that can turn our phones into so many different things in a way. Calling it a phone doesn't even make any sense anymore. But um, anyways, that just struck me this time around. Yeah. Agreed. And the other thing that has really evolved over the years is there were always niche category apps, but you know, the, the market has matured to an extent where almost any niche you can think of, there is a really, at least one really high quality app. Whereas in the early days, there were a lot of niches that had, you know, okay apps you know not great apps but they had an app that there was an app for that but the campaign wasn't there's a great app for that you know and uh it feels like now it almost is there's a great app for that almost every little weird category i can stumble into i can find an app that that's pretty remarkable yeah that's the booty of scale right that the iphone is so popular and so big and the app store is so big you can make something pretty specific and if you do a good job of it and the stars align you can find customers for it you know back you know to your point in in those early days 2008 2009 maybe there were only two note-taking apps or three that were worth looking at and now there's so many but they all have their own point of view and different feature sets and they compete in different ways and as consumers we win in that because we have more options but you do kind of have to weed through things at the same time. All right. Well, I'm going to start with health-related apps. Is that okay? okay? Can I do that? Because I've, yeah, I've got that. a few on my list. And the first one I would like to point out is the oldest app I'm recommending today. <laughs> okay. It's called the Samsara Meditation Timer. S-A-M-S-A-R-A. And this is one where... This has been a great app for meditation for years. I've used this, I don't know, at least five years, 
um, I got it early when it had first released. And there's a bunch of things out there for meditation. Like if you want to do, you know, you know, the apps where they talk to you and teach you how to meditate and everything, they're out there. But this thing I love about this app is the simplicity of it. It's it's a black it's a black screen with a circle that fills in as you do your meditation, and it has excellent gong chimes. Like, you know, I first learned to meditate in a meditation center where they had the gongs and actually kind of it helps my brain, you know, the the noises help trigger the the mindset because I'm just a, you know, barely evolved monkey. And that works for me. So it, they they got great samples of gongs. It's seven bucks and it's not a distraction because even if you look down at your phone, all you see is a black screen with a little circle that's slowly filling in. And mm-hmm. but they've got very like if you've done meditation, like it's got intermittent gongs, it's got like all the stuff that you would want that when I first learned to meditate, there was like a person there that did those jobs. Uh, whoever made this app has has been through the process. So that solves all the problems. It stays out of my way and it just keeps working. I can't get over that this app keeps working. I don't think there's a lot of development being done on it. I mean, this this app really is kind of an outlier of all the ones I'm recommending today. But uh, you know what? I've been using it this long. I felt like it had to make the list and it's under 10 bucks. So uh, I would recommend checking this one out. If you've been doing, like if you've listened to us and said, oh, I'm going to go down the road and get one of these out. You know, they have the, like, what's the one you use? Um, uh, I like Headspace. Yeah, Headspace. Um, and then, but I have a, I have another example on, on the list today uh, okay. that we can talk about. Well, for instance, Headspace is a good one, but it's like a hundred bucks a year. Yeah. And they teach you how to meditate, which is awesome. And I think that's a great, thing for people um you know being alone with your thoughts and and trying to master this stuff without getting all hippy dippy on you can really help you get through this crazy world but um i think ultimately what you have to do and maybe this is me being an old school meditator is that you have to get that you have to stop listening to people tell you how to meditate ultimately you got to sit on the cushion and you've got to turn on the timer and be alone with your thoughts, you mm-hmm. know? And I know like Headspace has that. They have those in there where it's like a silent meditation. But um, if you don't want to like go that route, this is a good app for that purpose. Yeah. I think I'm putting too many qualif- qualifiers in here, but I, I just really like it. Anyway. No, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, an app that I have on our list that is more similar to the app you described than something like Headspace is uh, an application called Unwind. And it is sort of a more of a mindful breathing type application than I think pure meditation. But I find a tool like this helpful if I feel, you know, sort of anxiety getting out of control where you can stop and really slow down. The easiest way to think about it is like the breathe app on the Apple Watch, but way more customizable. You can set different sounds, uh, the length of time you want. And it's beautifully designed. Like it almost, it kind of reminds me in a weird way of like Alto's Adventure. You know that that game with like the snowboarder guy. Yeah, it's like these yeah. beautiful landscapes. Um, anyways, uh, Unwind is one that I've liked uh, for a while. It's free. It has an in-app purchase to sort of unlock everything. But it's definitely in the I think sort of the same camp. Uh, while we talk about these mindfulness apps. Yeah, it looks really pretty. <laughs> yeah, they did right a good now. job. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, mine, the, the recommendation I made is super boring, but it, it it's kind of perfect for me for yep. w- for that purpose. Another health related app for one 
for me is uh, Sleep Plus Plus. It's yes. the uh, sleep app from our friend David underscore Smith. Um, I have really uh, one of the things I did throughout the the pandemic was get more serious about my sleep. Um, I felt like I was kind of getting in the habit of staying up late and waking up too early. And um, I read a couple, you know, books about sleep and health and realized that, you know, this is like one of the easiest ways that we, you know, that we really doom ourselves is not getting enough sleep. And it's interesting when you look into the science of it and they do testing on people when you don't have, when you are sleep deprived, you're just not as sharp as you think you are. But the interesting thing is your brain tells you that you're doing great. You know, um, it, it's almost like being drunk. If you go long enough, you know, it's like, and if you like, I read like, if you're sleep, sleep deprived, like an hour or two for a week, it's almost like staying up all night by the end of the time you get through that, the end of that sleep, sleep deprivation. And I, I noticed it in myself. Like there are periods of time during the day where I just can't focus. And quite often it would relate back to sleep deprivation. So, you know, with the update to the Apple watch, I started really making an effort to sleep eight hours a day. And even if that means sometimes I stay up late with the kids and my wife, I'll just sleep in the next morning and plan my day accordingly. It's, you know, I get more done if I sleep until seven or eight than I do if I sleep six hours um, so I've been very careful about that. The problem is the Apple watch app and here I'm getting to the app recommendation, the Apple watch app, the built-in sleep stuff is okay, but it really doesn't give you much data and sleep plus plus is a great way to do that. You know, it's made by a friend of ours admittedly, but also somebody who I know is very conscientious about his apps and keeps them working and keeps them up to date. And, um, it's not the prettiest of the sleep apps, but, for what I want with it, you know, give me good data about how I'm sleeping. I don't think there's anything better. And this one is a free download. And if you want to unlock the, um, the ads, it's two bucks, you know, for the full feature version, it's $2. So that was a very easy purchase. I almost felt guilty just paying $2 for it. But, um, I've been using that one throughout the pandemic and I'm, I'm really happy with it. Yeah. I really like sleep plus plus. I don't sleep with an Apple watch on, but I do nap on occasion. So if I open sleep plus plus, like I just did it while you were speaking and it's, it's a bunch of naps, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Underscore does a really good job. In fact, uh, I have, I have another one of his apps on my list called pedometer plus plus, uh, which takes the information from the, the motion sensor and your watch and your phone and works to combine them in a, a really nice, looking fun step counter and all of Dave's stuff syncs with Apple health. So if you use other apps or health kit can all kind of go into that same data repository together, but pedometer plus plus is really nice. You can set goals. He has a really nice set of widgets so you can see how you're doing with your goals just right on your home screen of your phone and uh, monthly challenges. He's really built this out to be much more than just a step counter over the years. And I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. One more health related app for me is, um, you know, I I've come public on this show. Just, I don't know if you noticed in the last six months and just told people, cause I have tinnitus and it's bugged me for years, but I didn't want to talk about the show cause nobody wants to hear somebody complain about stuff, but, but, you know, just kind of, it has kind of affected the way I use my devices. And one of the things I'm always doing is looking for background noise and I just really fallen in love with this great app called dark noise. And 
there were a this is an example of there were a bunch of these niche um noisemaker apps and they all had terrible ui and they oh, all yeah. were basically like the minimum viable app for noise you know you'd click on it and you could make it play the sound of a, a windstorm but it that's about all you could do with it whereas dark noise is an app where you know the developer truly is invested in the platform you know it's got uh, um it's got shortcut support so i can trigger noises by shortcuts it's got you know just a beautiful interface it's got widgets it's got you know everything that apple wants developers to do this guy does he just made i believe it's a catalyst version of the app so now it's on the mac too and that app is a constant companion for me and you know i i play the rainstorm i almost play there's like one noise i play like 90 percent of the time but it's a good sounding <laughs> rainstorm it's on a loop i can't hear the loop on some of them like you can actually hear where the loop hits and i don't hear it on this one so that thing is always playing and i think that's kind of health related for me so i'll, I'll recommend that one you can get a uh, dark noise for 10 bucks you know and it's on all platforms so he has yeah. brought it to the mac recently uh, it's a great mac app it's really beautiful yeah i i, I second everything you said I even forget what I used to use for white noise, but the UI was terrible. Like it it was so bad and this is beautiful and it syncs with iCloud. So if you mark noises as favorite, so you mix custom noises, they all sync around everywhere you are. Yeah. The developer's name of dark noise is Charlie Chapman. And he was a guest on automators on automators episode 46. And he did this kind of as a hobby project just to see if he could make, you know, an iPhone app. He had no intention of it blowing up the way it did. And it's kind of turned into a career for him. And, um, you know, this is the kind of story I love to hear, you know, where somebody just does something really well and they find their little, their little corner of the app store. And, mm -hmm. uh, this is somebody you can feel good about supporting. So yeah. if you'd like to hear more about the backstory of dark noise, go listen to automators 46. I'll put that in the show notes for people. Sure. I've got uh, two more health apps. Okay. Now, the first is actually brand new. It launched while we were preparing for this. Uh, it's called uh, Breathable. It's, um, it is really an app, but it's, the app is just in support of a widget, and it shows air quality information. This thing is beautiful. You have all these options. You can set the colors. You can set emoji uh, or show actual values, you know, moderate, good, average, whatever it may be. And if you live in a place where air quality index is important or it's important to your health, a lot of the times that information is buried in like, say, a weather application. But if you really want it front and center, there hasn't been a really nice, clean, modern way to do that. And uh, Breathable is uh, two bucks. And like I said, brand new across all platforms. But the widget looks great, of course, on the iPhone. So if this is something you're looking for, I think it may really fit a need that I'm not sure was being met in a nice way before before it showed up. No, I, I bought this as soon as I saw it on your list because this is a concern for me. Um Southern California has a lot of cars and sometimes we have smog, but the, where I live, that's not as much of an issue. But when we have these fires, um, it's like a real question some days, whether I want to go outside and breathe or not. And, uh, this is a great app. And 
I had all those problems you described. I was trying to use like, I was trying to use a tweak of um, carrot weather to get air quality index. And yeah. this wasn't very good. And, and another thing I like about this app is just this trend we're seeing now where developers make really beautiful apps, but they release them across all Apple platforms. You know, just like Apple did at WWDC this year, we're now getting developers with the beauty of things like Catalyst and Swift UI, mm-hmm. where they can come out with an app and say, yeah, I'm going to put it on the Mac, the iPad, and the iPhone. And that is not something that's a mission impossible for a small one-man shop. Mm-mm. And, um, you know, we saw that with dark noise, we see it with breathable and, uh, and, uh, more of that, please. Yes, absolutely. My final, uh, health pick here is an app that I've used for several years called happy scale. It is a, uh, a weight tracking application. Uh, you know, I happen to have like, a a Wythings smart scale. I've had it forever, but a lot of people of course don't have one of those. And in fact, in mine, the Wi-Fi just like just doesn't work anymore. I cannot get to connect to my network. So yeah. I was using it as a very fancy scale with no internet connection. Yeah. But Happy Scale is iPhone and iPad app where you can basically enter your weight anytime you measure it. And it builds really useful charts and graphs if you're measuring it over time. All syncs with Apple Health and HealthKit. And it has some pretty cool tools. If you have a uh, a goal for your weight, it can walk you towards that goal because it has all of this information. Every time you enter data into it, it adds that to your plan. It kind of gives you a status of where you are. Uh, I've I've really come to like it. I think the UI is a little busy. Uh, I, I wish it had a little bit of a more modern design, but the functionality is. It's really spectacular. I've, I haven't really seen much that does these charts like this. And um, I don't know. I've really, like I've said, I've used it for several years and have been have been really, uh, really happy with it. You know, this is something that, again, it's pretty specific. And that is a, definitely something we're seeing as a trend in this episode. But it does a good job at what it does. Yeah. And and honestly, the um, you can type your weight into the health app. You can directly yeah. enter it. But it's not very like friendly, you know, I mean, you've got to go in, you've got to find the category, then you got to hit the edit button. There's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do and just getting a nice simple app that does this. And it's, it's icon is super cute. Little happy face on the scale. The icon is very good. Yeah. Very good. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by text expander from smile. Go to textexpander.com slash podcasts and let them know you heard about it on the Mac Power users and get 20% off. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. With Text Expander, you can say goodbye to repetitive text injury, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, and better than scripts and templates. Text expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of repetitive things you type while customizing and personalizing your messages. But let's be honest, we're all sitting at our Macs all day working and typing, and we all type the same thing over and over again. 
That's why Text Expander is so handy. It makes it really easy to capture those things when you type it into a snippet that you can use in the future. And you can add automation and Apple scripts and all kinds of powerful tools. But the main thing is, once you type it, once you catch yourself doing that, typing the same thing again, you just type it one last time. It feels so good. You type it the last time, you capture it into Text Expander, and in the future, Text Expander will handle it for you. And that's why I love this app. So uh, you don't need to become a dumb robot retyping the same thing all the time. Use Text Expander, let it do it for you. Text Expander can be used on any platform and any app, anywhere you type. Take your time back and increase your productivity. And best of all, show listeners get 20% off their first year. That's right, 20% off. Go get it. Textexpander.com slash podcast is the URL. Let them know you heard about it on the Mac Power Users. Go sign up today. All right, let's talk about productivity a little bit. And okay. one, one I'd like to feature is Timery. Uh, this one is a subscription at $10 a year. So I'm cheating in just a little bit, you know. Um, That's okay. But uh, it, it is a very worthwhile subscription. So if you are into time tracking, you have heard about Toggle because all the nerds talk about it on the podcast because it's, it's just a, a great little service. I use the free version of it and I don't, you know, I track time across a couple of categories and in individual projects, but I like to get to an end of a field guide and know how much time did I put into it. Also with toggle, you can set tags. Uh, so like um, when we talk about this on the focus podcast quite a bit, but I believe in what this thing I call moving the needle. Like when I look at my day, there are some things I do that I need to do, you know, answering email and paying bills and things like that. But then there's things I do that move the needle for me. Moving the needle stuff is like getting a client project done or you know, recording a podcast or a field guide, you know, that's stuff that makes things that I ship. And it's very important to me that I spend most of my time moving the needle and not goofing off an email. So uh, with toggle, you can set these, these tags based on the type of time you're tracking. And I get every Sunday, I look at my reports to see how much time did I spend moving the needle. And that constant reminder kind of helps keep me going. So all this is really great. Uh, the problem is Toggle is a web app and they make a Mac app and it's horrible and they make an iPhone app and it's just as bad. And mm -hmm. like trying to use it is really difficult. And then, then we got this app that showed up a couple of years ago called Timery. And it's like a front end for Toggle because Toggle does have an API. So third parties can plug into it. There's a bunch of people that have done that already, but this one in particular is made by Joe Rebar. I don't know how he pronounces it. I have to ask him next time I see him how he pronounces his last name, but um, he is just really dedicated to making the best possible front end for toggle. And just like the guy who made the dark noise app, he is all in with the Apple ecosystem. So it's got shortcut support. It's got widgets. It's got all the little things you'd want um, to make your tracking your time easier. And the reason why I really wanted to talk about this app today is because Joe has done exactly what we've been talking about earlier in the show. He's now added a version to the Mac. So for, you know, there's not an additional purchase. You just download the Mac app. He made it, I think with catalyst and you've got all the cool time tracking stuff on your Mac. Um, I wanted to be able to track time automatically on my Mac. And you can do that on your iPhone and iPad with shortcuts, but, you know, when Joe was working on this, we hadn't heard about shortcuts for the Mac yet. And 
So I asked him to add a menu bar where it just listed your favorite timers. And so now all you have to do is using Keyboard Maestro, trigger a menu bar item to click, you know, the, you know, podcast slash MPU, and it automatically starts the timer for podcast MPU anytime I start working on the Mac power users. So, you know, like he's very receptive to ideas and it's a very automation friendly. Now, since he did that, Apple's announced shortcuts for the Mac and you can, you know, bet that Joe's going to have full support for shortcuts for the Mac in this as well. So if you want to, you know, explore time tracking, but you don't want to have to physically push a button all the time, I would recommend trying Timery because it allows you to automate that process. And for 10 bucks a year, it gives you a great source of data. Yeah, I really am a, a very interested to see how quickly it takes us all to have does it support shortcuts on the Mac as like a required feature for, for an app yeah. before we recommend it? Uh, you know, even apps like Toolbox Pro, which is this, I'm going off the list here, but it is a uh, collection of actions that you can put into shortcuts, basically as like a utility, as utilities. And they're going to bring it to the Mac. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm more and more excited about this. Yeah. And the thing is that developers that have historic, you know, Mac apps that didn't have automation support built in, uh, this gives them a really easy avenue. I mean, when we talked to Paul Kafasis of last month, you know, he explained, you know, the problem with putting Apple's support, script support in is that a lot of people, it's a lot of work and there aren't many people who know how to do it. So it would not be a frequently used feature. Well, you turn that Apple card upside down with shortcuts for the Mac, because as I understand it, it's not a tremendous amount of work to build the support in. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who want to use shortcuts to automate their apps. So suddenly we're not just going to see these apps like Timery and Dark Noise, which are, you know, in essence, iPhone and iPad apps that made their way to the Mac. I think we're going to see traditional Mac apps also getting this kind of support. Like I would be shocked if OmniFocus didn't have like a full suite of shortcuts for, for Mac support. And I haven't talked to him about this isn't me like being coy, but uh, you know, it's like a company like that. Of course they're going to jump on this stuff. So in the productivity section, I'm going to go with uh, an application that we've talked about before when we talked about RSS, but it is so central to how I use my iPhone for work. Uh, and that's Reader 5. So it's uh, $4.99 in the App Store. It's an RSS reader that hooks up to a bunch of different RSS services. So I happen to use Feedbin, but it also supports Feedly and all sorts of other sync engines. You can even just store a bunch of them in iCloud in the app and not rely on an outside service if you want to do that. I definitely go exploring in other RSS apps. Uh, from time to time, but I always come back to Reader because of its customization. And so it has lots of options about how it looks and works as a bunch of different themes. You can say, I do want to see preview images in the article list. I don't want to see them. I want all the thumbnails, you know, to be small, medium, or large, all these different options. So you can really customize it to really what you want to have. And I do a lot of RSS reading on my 
phone, like some people do social media, just like looking for things and sharing them to my to-do list or through shortcuts to something else later on. And unread has been just the center of that for so long. I, I really, I really should stop looking at others because it really meets my needs perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, when we did that show, how I was super into unread, mm -hmm. <laughs> they released reader five and I tried it and, uh, it, it sucked me in. Yep. I'm using reader five. Um, yeah. Uh, another, another feature is it has a built-in read it later service. So you don't need to rely on something like Instapaper or good links, which I use. Uh, you could just save all that stuff in sort of a separate section in reader. So it can really be your RSS and read it later all under one application. It, I like having them separate, but if you want them together, that's a really nice feature that uh, is new in reader five. Yeah. So when it, when it came out, first of all, I did switch over to the reader five iCloud um, RSS sync. So I'm, I no longer have an RSS service you know, I let my feed wrangler subscription expire, but the, uh, so that saved me some money. Uh, I did try their read it later, you know, slash Instapaper like service, but I ultimately did not keep that. I'm I'm still using Instapaper, and the reason is because I really like uh, with Instapaper the ability to go through, highlight those articles, and I've got them connected to Readwise. I've just got kind of like a whole pipeline for stuff that I read. Sure. And this just really didn't solve that problem. Uh, so I, so I tried it for like a couple of weeks, but ultimately I I went back to Instapaper. I'll be holding on to that that subscription. But yeah, and have you tried they've got this like speed reader view where they like, you know, bold random letters. Have you tried that view? Yeah, it's called Bionic Reading. It's actually like this whole system. Uh I tried it when it first came out and I I didn't feel like it really sped up my reading, but I'm a very quick reader anyways. Uh what about you? Has it made a a difference for you? I've got it turned on and I've got to the point now that I don't even think about it. I don't know that it makes any different though. I don't know. Hmm. I guess there's science behind it though. I mean, yeah. I don't know. They, they say there is. Uh, uh, how is the iCloud syncing? I tried that when it first launched and I found it to be really slow to refresh feed. So I kind of gave up on it. I have not had any problem. Okay. I, I check feeds like once a day, sometimes once every two days. So I don't like jump into it multiple times a day. So that may, um, you know, maybe that affects it. If you maybe if you use it frequently, it's not as good. But mm -hmm. I have not had any problem. I would recommend just loading it up. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to throw some feeds in there and see how they do. Uh, but I, I've just not noticed any issue with it. It doesn't seem any different to Feed Wrangler for me. Okay. Uh, one reason I like Feedbin is they have a feature that you can send newsletters to it. So like, say I sign up for the Max Parkey newsletter, yeah. instead of giving you, you know, my email address, I would give you this sort of secret feed bin email yeah. address. And so I have a folder in my feed bin accounts that syncs to reader called newsletters. And that's how I read newsletters. I just read them in line with other articles. And I actually really like that. Yeah. I, so the way I handle that, Instapaper has like a magic email where you can forward emails to it to mm -hmm. add it to your Instapaper. And I made a Keyboard Maestro script that just like if there's an email that comes in that's a newsletter, 
I just hit control I. Okay. And then it creates an email. It creates a forward and sends it off and then archives the email. So it does, I kind of like made a UI scripting method to do that, but you know, that to each his own, right? I mean, I, I, that's fine, but I, I just didn't see a reason to, to pay for an RSS subscription when I, it's working fine inside my, my reader itself. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of money to have an RSS subscription. So if that feature is really important to you, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Feedbin is, is cheap and as are the others. I mean, and my workflow on that has really, I mean, we kind of talked about this on that RSS show, but I think even more so than when we recorded that show now, because with, with the reader five, you can send something to Instapaper by just swiping from right to left. If you, if you set that in the settings, like small news items, I will read in reader five, but like anything of substance that I'm like, Oh, I definitely want to read that. You know, um, I just swipe it into Instapaper and I actually do all my reading really kind of in the evening. I'll go through Instapaper and see what the stuff was that came through. And sometimes it'll turn into blog post ideas. Sometimes it's like more just like, you know, productivity type articles I want to read for my own benefit. And, and uh, all that stuff gets managed through Instapaper. Cause then I've got Readwise on the back end. If I highlight anything or whatever, it gets, it gets captured by Readwise. I'm pretty happy with my whole like RSS read it later setup these days. Yeah, that's good. Readwise is is really cool. Yeah. I I have so many books in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it takes me like cuz like I'll read a book like especially like I just read um there's a great book called Ikigai where it they follow around these 100-year-old uh, Japanese people in like Okinawa and like what is their secret? And it's just a really great book about ideas about, you know, what should you eat and, you know, what's your purpose in life? And it just kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, a good feeling book when you read it and, and you get some ideas back out of it. And so I do all the highlights in it. It took me like three and a half hours to read the book. It's not a super long book, but I'll spend like a couple hours or maybe even just as long, three hours processing the highlights and what does this mean to me and what is my eking guy? And, you know, like, so actually consuming a book for me, the reading part is the easy part. <laughs> it's the back end. I was just thinking this morning, cause I spent a half hour working on that book this morning, you know, like processing it and thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I am slow at this. You know, guys like Mike Schmidt's like tear through mm -hmm. so many books a month. And like, I'll read that book, you know, I'll spend, you know, a week reading the book, finding the time to get the book read, but then I'll spend like another week or two, just kind of like figuring out in my brain where, what I learn matters, you know? So I'm, I'm not, I'm not a speed reader. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> what else do you have in the productivity category? Uh, quite a few, of course. Right. Um, uh, habits I think are a big deal. And, um, we talked about habits on the, uh, the focus podcast and Mike Schmitz recommended to me this app streaks and I went and looked at it and this is truly, I think best in class for habit tracking. Um, it's just a really beautiful app and it's a one-time purchase of $5. Um, the limitation is you can't load a million habits in it. It's really got two screens of six habits. But you can have like a habit that runs twice a day, like, you know, old man issue again, like take my medicine in the morning and the night. I have, um, it has two like tickers there for, you know, medication, but, you know, exercise, play my sacks, things that I want to turn into habits. 
show up there. It's fully integrated on Mac, iPhone, and iPad. It's got widgets. It's I don't know if it's got, I think it may have automation, but I don't really use automation, but I check in with it several times a day. It does a great job of tracking your streaks about how you're doing without turning into like, it's all about the streaks. Cause I think that can be a little bit of a, a diversion. And uh, if you want to work on some habits for five bucks, you really can't go wrong with streaks. Yeah, it is uh, a beautiful application. It's very opinionated in how it looks, right? It's like big and bold. It has these the, like full screen color. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. One thing in this app that I want to ask you about, it, it has up to 12 tasks you want to complete each day, but you also have negative tasks to break bad habits. Do you have any thoughts on like one versus the other? If someone's looking at this application? Uh, well, I think, you know, whatever works for you. Like if you're trying to quit smoking or something, then, you know, go for it. I, um, I don't really have any bad habits I'm working on right now. Um, you know, I've just accepted that I'm going to keep buying apps. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but the uh, I you know you got to pick a side. I'm generally in favor of, of positive habits, but yeah, yeah, it, it does that, so that's cool. Uh, I don't really use it for that. Like uh, one feature they do have that I think is really useful. Uh, you know, go to go back to California for a minute. If you're like trying to build a meditation habit, for example. You could set a, you could put a timer related to the habit and say, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes a day. And, um, and it actually will run the timer inside the app, which is kind of nice. I, I just like, I really like these apps where you can tell the developer has thought through, you know, how is the user going to do this every day? And, you know, how can I make them delightful, you know, feel delight, delight when they use the app. And mm -hmm. this is just another example of that. And honestly, that was a big turnoff for me. I was looking at an app called productive at one point, which allows like unlimited apps. It's a really pretty too. But then I got thinking, I really don't want to track that many habits. You know, I don't think I need that start when you put too many habits together, you're not going to do any of them. And I think limiting it to 12 actually makes a lot of sense. And, and a habit for me, a habit formation process is kind of temporary. You know, I will, I, for a lot of things, like I want, like a good example is like this whole thing I was talking about earlier about read a book and kind of incorporate it into my life. I call that Sparky OS. I've got my own operating system, Stephen. But I wanted to work on that every day. But after, having that in streaks for, I don't know, a better part of a year. And I was hitting it every day. I'm like, you know, I don't really need to track this as a habit anymore because now I just find time to do it every day. It seems like, so I, I killed it as a habit track in streaks cause I don't need it anymore. And so I think stuff like that to me is, you know, a, a habit, once you form the habit, do you really need to track it anymore? I mean, hmm. are you just looking to make little numbers and charts to make yourself feel better? Yeah, that's a good point. My last one in productivity is an app called Pastel. It's by our friend Stephen Trout Smith. And it is a, again, universal application, Mac, iPhone, iPad, to create and save color palettes. So I have to work uh, with a lot of this at Relay is like we roll out artwork for something or or tweaking something, I keep a bunch of different palettes for our different shows in pastel. So I, I can go look and say that we need some artwork for Mac power users. 
I can go there and see, okay, what color is the green? What color is the dark green? You know, unconnected, what color is the the orange or the red or the yellow, whatever it may be. And it's just a a really simple way to keep up with those. But the design of it is really incredible. For an application that you store colors in, the UI really has to be pretty simple or you would, I think you would find it all very overwhelming. And Steve did a really good job with that. Uh, it's been out maybe a year or so. He chronicled its development on Twitter and I was very excited to see it because this was not a tool that I had found that I'd liked. You know, there were a couple other things out there, but this is the one that really clicked for me. And so if you have that uh, sort of need, uh, even if you're not a designer, but, you know, he actually has it listed as a developer tool in the app store. If you're working on an app or a website or something, it could be a really useful way to store all that stuff as opposed to just, you know, having a, a, a text document somewhere with a bunch of hex codes in it. Do it in a more visual way. And I find it to be much more exciting that way. Can I put just like a hundred percent endorsement on this app? Because, you know, if you look at the Max Barkey field guides, they all have their own color palette. And a lot of times it starts out with like the color of the app icon or something related to the app. But then from there, I'm kind of on my own and adrift. And historically, I didn't have a good tool for this. There were a couple apps and they all seemed terrible. And then I got to the point where I would just like Google images search for color palettes and then like save screenshots of ones that I liked. And a bunch of the field guides are based on those. And then as soon as this app came out, it was like, ah, finally problem solved. Mm -hmm. And like, even like right now, I, I announced I announced in my newsletter, which you guys should sign up for, uh, that I'm working on a Devon thing field guide. That's not too far off. And uh the uh and I all the palettes in that were built in pastel. And 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 we even used it on our Christmas card, you know. So it's like you could you don't have to be a developer to want something like this. If you're doing anything creatively and you just want a nice color palette, this is a good app. That's cool. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Indeed. Nothing travels faster than the speed of light, but hiring with Indeed can come awfully close. When you can't wait to find great talent, you need Indeed. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will wander in and find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. And Indeed Instant Match helps make a short list of great candidates quickly. The moment you sponsor a job, to get a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, then you can invite them to apply right then. I've done a bunch of hiring in my day. It's a really hard process. It's really important to hire the right person. And sorting through a bunch of resumes, hoping someone good will come across your desk is not the way to do it. Indeed helps you hire great people quickly. Plus, Indeed makes finding quality candidates even faster with 135 assessments to help make sure you find applicants with the right skills. Best of all, you only pay for applicants who meet your must-have qualifications. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. 
So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. You can get started with Indeed with a $75 sponsored job credit by going to Indeed.com slash MPU. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MPU. Offer is valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. One more time, that's Indeed.com slash MPU. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of the show. I've decided that I'm just going to live with Apple Mail for a while. Mm-hmm. Good but, for you. So I, ha- I yeah. haven't done the whole uh, spirit quest on mail, but instead I did a spirit quest on podcast apps. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to try uh, Apple Podcasts. There's a lot of reasons to like Apple Podcasts. Like it's automatically on your watch and it gets all the like the widgets and all the stuff that Apple wants to think cool. They put in their own app. And to be honest, the whole speed up the show thing, I don't really do that very much. I know everybody wants to speed my voice up because I talk too slow, but I just don't really do that much to podcasts I listen to. So I would kind of fit in the demographic of people that would be happy with the Apple podcast app. But I tried it for like a month and it just made me crazy. The like the show notes are terrible. Like they don't even like have links to the links. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't they understand people put chapters in their shows? At least we do. And so I then I went and looked at and I had been using Overcast, but I didn't want to just like use Overcast because, you know, it's made by my friend. And I'm like, I'm just going to you know, I don't want to just use it because it's made by my friend. I want to use the best one. So I went out and tried several other third party apps and after all of this time, I'm back to Overcast. So <laughs> here I am. Yeah, that's how it goes, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Apple Podcast app, there's a lot of behind the scenes changes going on right now. We at Relay have had issues with our show notes. I've done everything that they have told me to do, like to the feeds to make the links work. And they still only work about a third of the time. The Apple Podcast app is having a rough, rough time right now. And uh, I feel for those those folks working on it, but there are a lot of good third-party alternatives. Overcast is what I use, but Pocket Cast and Castro are also really good. Uh, I use Overcast really for I for the smart speed. So I listen at 1x, but I turn on smart speed so it intelligently and smoothly cuts out silence. Not in a way where a sentence sounds wrong, necessarily, but in a way that it just compresses the silence, you know, uh, proportionally. Uh, so I like that. I like that I can upload uh, files to it via the web. Now, Castro, you can do it directly on iOS. And I wish Overcast had that feature, and uh, I think it should. But you can upload from the web, and I do that pretty often, like for special projects or even for just one-off stuff that I, I want to be able to listen to, but I don't need to upload anywhere public. I can just send it to my overcast account through the web and it's uh it's not the prettiest app out there i think i think uh, it actually needs quite a bit of design work but for functionality and for speed of syncing and how quickly it notices new things in the feed it's just the best thing the best thing out there i mean marco is so good at that back-end infrastructure stuff it really comes through in uh in overcast yeah, I do wish he had a widget for it um, because I so much focus on widgets these days. Um, but the smart speed I do keep turned on, but I actually like the way 
it presents the shows for whatever reason that kind of jives with my brain for what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. And I've got playlists based on, you know, you know, spirituality and, um, and technology and different categories of my life. So if I just want to hear something and in one category, I click it and it, it comes up. And I also think that the Apple CarPlay thing integration is pretty good with it too. So I just generally like, and, and his settings, I'm, I'm just kind of rambling, but his settings are very good. Like if you want to set how long you can skip back or skip forward, I just, all the stuff that's kind of important to me, it looks like he's already like hit, but I would like to see him get more. I would like to see him go the route of dark noise and timery and like, you know, get more compliance with some of the Apple stuff, like the widgets. And, and I'd love to see a version on the Mac too. Yeah. Right now it has just the iPad version. So it's available to Apple Silicon Macs, but here on my Mac pro, I can't run it, which is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's some, some real catching up he needs to do, but I think even with that said, it's still what I prefer. And I do the same thing you do. I check them out. I have them all on my phone because as the owner of a podcast network, I need to make sure our shows work in a bunch of different apps. Yeah. But when it comes for me to listen to something as a consumer, Overcast is where I go. And it's been on my home screen since it launched whenever it was six or seven years ago. Yeah. Well, I don't, my home screen doesn't have any apps on it at this point, except for a few in the dock. But, um, whenever I go over to the app library, it's always very, it's always on top. You know, I can always launch it from there because I, I listen to enough podcasts. I haven't really figured out the best way to launch it. And then I've got shortcuts that I can launch it with too. So I'm, I'm still figuring out with the best uses for it. Um, uh, I would like, I'm going to have to write Mark. I would like, and I think he's working on a widget. So hopefully that, that comes soon. That's something I would like. Yeah. He has said that on, uh, his podcast. So uh, I do think that is, that is coming at some point. All right. What you got? Oh man. Uh, you know, looking through this um, one, I really want to mention cause it's, it's actually the newest. I think, I think it's the newest on my list in terms of my use, my own personal usage is an app called parcel. It is a package delivery application for years. I use deliveries and it's a great app. Uh, but Parcel was recommended to me, I think, by Federico Vitici. But what's clever about it is that you can have it signed in to your Amazon account. So if something ships to you from Amazon, it automatically shows up in Parcel. And then, and I'm sure you've noticed this and other people have too, sometimes Amazon or some other online retailer, will actually it will actually change shipping companies. So it may start out as... Amazon, but then USPS is going to actually deliver it to your house, right? And Parcel can detect those changes and update your listing. Uh, So it's really smart uh, about that. The design is really bare bones. And I actually like that about it. It's very stock looking, but it does uh, a, a great job at this. It's got widget support, it's got uh, the thing that deliveries has, where if you have a tracking number copied on your pasteboard and then you go to add it it's just automatically filled in with the carrier so it has all that detection it's pretty sweet and for me it has actually knocked deliveries uh, out of rotation i've been using this now for probably a couple of months um it's free there's a, a two two dollar 99 cent subscription for a year uh which i'm i'm more than happy to uh to pay and uh 
it's uh it's pretty clever especially if you're amazon heavy like we can be in our house how how many of your packages do you actually track though i mean i don't really care with most of the stuff i buy when it shows up yeah i mean like right now i've got two things in there i've got a gift for somebody and it's actually apparently been delivered today and then i have uh I had to order a postal scale printer for the Kickstarter. And so I have those two things in there. The Amazon stuff is just nice to know. But if I've got something coming for work or if I've shipped something for work, which is 99% of my shipping, uh, I do like to know what's going on with it just so I can intervene if I need to. Yeah. I mean, like when I like buy a Mac or, you know, or oh, yeah. something from Apple, I want to track it. But generally, I just don't track that stuff at all. You know, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to download this and try it out for a month and report back. Maybe a next feedback show. Part of me feels like I just don't even care. I, I don't care when the dog leash shows up, you know. Sure. One day it'll be on the doorstep and that's fine. But yeah, but maybe you're more I'll chill than I am. Into, yeah. <laughs> Either that or, or more chaotic, you know. There's like, <laughs> there's not room in my life for that order, you know. There you go. Uh, one thing that Parcel has that I think all apps should have, and maybe the focus modes and iOS 15 will over- override the need for this, but Parcel has a setting to disable notifications overnight. So if you have your phone on your nightstand, it's not buzzing as your new iMac you know, comes across the sea from China. And yeah. you would just get that notification at 8 a.m., so you have some customization there, which is pretty cool. And I think even with Focus coming, more apps should have that sort of just, hey, I don't want to hear from you overnight. Uh, and I think especially yeah. with something like a delivery tracker, that could be annoying. So that's a really nice like usability touch that more developers should look at, in my opinion. Is there any reason I should be worried about giving them my Amazon data so they can track all my Amazon so it, stuff? So what it does is it opens Amazon in a web view and you sign into the Amazon website itself. I don't they they don't have access to your to your login. There's an app that I just want. I just can't get over that. It's only eight bucks. Like you know, there were apps on my list. I'm like, oh, maybe I could recommend that one. And of course, they all cost more than ten dollars. But this one is eight dollars. Good notes. Uh, we we this comes up on the show every once in a while particularly when we talk to anybody that's a big iPad user. But GoodNotes is a notebook app for your for your iPad. And if you have like a, a modern iPad with an Apple Pencil, particularly the G2 Apple Pencil, but even the G1, I feel like this should just be in your stack of apps that you use because it's just so powerful to have a notebook on this piece of glass. Anytime you want, you can pull out a pencil and start writing notes down on it. And uh, it's $8. How did that one get under $10? I don't even get it. I don't I don't know. It should be more. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm not a big note taker like this. I still use pen and paper a lot for this sort of note taking. But I keep good notes on my devices for the times that I do want this. And a lot of apps in this category, I think sort of, they sort of sell the iPhone short. Right, where it's like, yeah, you can use it on the iPhone, but it's not great. And I feel like GoodNotes has done a good job at making the iPhone uh, a really good alternative to the other platforms. I think it's best on the iPad just because of the pencil, but still totally usable on the smaller screen. Yeah, and 
as I understand it, I because I have it on my Mac too, I believe this is the one where you get it because they had a version, a separate version for Mac. But as soon as Apple said, no, you can also give it away with your iPhone and iPad app, they, they did that. So if you use the link in the show notes, you get it for the Mac as well. And having your notes on your Mac is really handy. You know, when you're out in the field, you write something down in good notes, you get back to your Mac, it's just sitting there waiting for you. Um, I do a lot of my journaling with pen and paper, but sometimes when I go on trips and I don't bring, you know, the pen and paper, like I, I don't really understand because I use a fountain pen, taking a fountain pen on an airplane, as I understand it, there's like a probability that it's going to blow up in my shirt or bag or whatever and put That's ink bad. everywhere. Yeah. There's something about air pressure and fountain pens and like, th- I know there's a way to get around it and probably Brad and Mike could tell me, but I just leave them home, you know, <laughs> just don't deal with it, you know, but like when I go on a trip a lot of time, I'll do my, my handwritten journaling just in good notes. And then when I get back, I still have it handwritten and the benefit of that. And I can print it out and stick it in my book if I want or whatever. Uh, but there's just times when you want that. I, I'm going to be curious to see how this fits in with the improvements that Apple's made to notes and the ability to like start doing a handwritten note with just a swipe up from the corner in iOS 15. But I suspect GoodNotes is still going to be around for me. And honestly, it's like the cost of one trip to Starbucks and you've got this app on your your device now. So go get it. All right. I've got two that I'm going to put together here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to call these apps that make HomeKit better. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, or extending HomeKit. So the first one, and there, there's a bunch of apps in this category, but uh, these are two that I have really come to like over the years. One is called HomeCam. It's five bucks. Uh, It runs on everything, including the Apple TV. Just throwing that out there. And it is live HomeKit camera monitoring. So you can have cameras in the Home app, but so much about the Home app is really basic and actually kind of frustrating i think to use yeah and cameras are like they're like walled off in their own section in the home app and with home cam you can bring uh, a camera into view and you can also have other information about what's going on in that room so if you have temperature sensors or humidity sensors or lights or anything like that you can combine that with the camera views and so you can have really of not only a view into a room, you know, visually through the camera, but you can also have access to the information about the room and its current state. And it just frustrates me that the the Apple Home app doesn't really have an affordance for that. I mean, cameras came pretty late to HomeKit overall, and I, I, I hope that Apple would do a better job. But uh, HomeCam for HomeKit does a uh, a pretty sweet job at integrating that. This is an issue for me, like, especially as my, my family is returning to the world and I'm getting, I'm working from home and I'm starting to find myself alone again. Um, you know, I've got a camera, like a home kit enabled camera on my front door. And then someone comes up and rings the doorbell and it's a huge interruption for me, but I can actually see the TV in the family room. So I could put this app on my Apple TV and just have it. Uh, enable a couple of those HomeKit cams, including the front door and maybe the driveway one. And then I could just at a glance, see what's going on outside the house. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that would 
That would definitely right. be doable. No I'm, in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm installing it. Yeah. Uh, this developer makes a lot of HomeKit ex- apps that extend HomeKit. Uh, Home Run 2 is also really good. There's yeah, HomeScan, which one. stores your little barcodes for HomeKit stuff. But the one, and really my second official pick, uh, is a free app called Home Paper for HomeKit. Um, it's a, there's a $1 in app purchase for unlimited exports. But what this does is it lets you create really beautiful backgrounds for your different rooms in the Apple home app. So the Apple home app comes with, I don't know, a handful of default backgrounds, but with home paper, you can take a picture of the room or load in a picture you have saved on your phone and then create a gradient that goes into that. So it makes a really nice, really nice background. So I went through, I spent probably 15 minutes uh, one evening uh, doing this. So if I look in my home app in my studio, it's a picture of my collection. And then it kind of goes into this blue orange gradient, or I can go into uh, the kitchen. I see a picture of the kitchen. I can see, okay, what's the home pod and some uh, lighting we have in there doing. It is really pretty sweet and it adds so much personality and easy glanceability within the home app that I mean, as soon as I saw someone tweet about this, I was like, yes, I want this. And it is really, really cool. I think we need to plan on doing a show in the next several months of just breaking down all of these third-party home kit apps. Because there's Home Dash, there's Home Run, there's a bunch of them out there. And all the stuff is changing. Now cameras are working way better with HomeKit than they ever have before. I'm sure there's enough out there to do a show on. So listeners, if you have questions about HomeKit, send them in so we can uh, start assembling an outline on it. And if you've got something that you particularly love about HomeKit or hate, let us know about that too. So we can see if we can find solutions for you. So is that okay, Steven? That sounds great. That? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Because there, there are like, everybody has a favorite third-party HomeKit app. I think we both need to like just spend a bunch of time with all of them and find out what works and what doesn't. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and start monitoring your website performance and availability today. Get instant alerts when an outage occurs or a site transaction fails. Use code MPU to get 30% off. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how targeted your marketing content or how sleek your website is, they'll bounce if a page is loading too slow. But with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance affects your visitor experience. So you can take action before your business is impacted, all for as low as $10 a month. Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world or across browsers, devices, and platforms, Pingdom helps you identify bottlenecks, troubleshoot performance, and make informed optimizations. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability. This means you can monitor millions of page views, not just sample data, and at an affordable price. Get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to buy, use code MPU at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks, Pingdom, from SolarWinds for your support of the Mac Power Users 
and all of Relay FM. So, Stephen, I have um, I have a couple here uh, image related that I'd like to get through, and okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this one called Best Photos, which solves a problem for me with Apple Photos. I just don't think Apple Photos is very good for triaging images. You know, like when you have a family event and you take a bunch of pictures and you just want to keep like one of each pose or something. Sure. It's hard to like figure out what's the best one and you got to flip back and forth. Uh, Best Photos lets you put them on the screen at the same time. And it uses swipe gestures to, to trash a photo. If you don't like it, I think you swipe to the left. If you go to the right, you favorite it. And if you go down, you go to the next photo. It's just a really, you know, kind of well thought out way to do quick takes on photos, you know, to go through and find the keepers and get rid of the bad ones. But it's been actively developed and, and there's a lot of nice little touches in the app that I just think are great. And I use this always as kind of like the first stop when I have a, a family event to go through the pictures. It's eight bucks, you know, it's not, not too expensive and helps you with your images. So what is the workflow like? Does it go out and find photos that it thinks are duplicates and you basically just tap the ones you want to keep or? No, it just, it looks at the recent, like you say, give me the recent images. I I do it like we just had 4th of July and I'll do it and it'll go back and show me all the pictures like from that day. Okay. And, And then you can have it show you recently added or everything. You can also, it has built in smart searches. So it'll look for similar pictures but it can also look for exact duplicates uh, for Stephen Hackett. It's got the Stephen Hackett feature. It'll find just pictures that are not in albums. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll find pictures that are missing a location or like if it's got a weird date attached, like if it's a photo that has 1970 attached to it where that doesn't seem to fit. Um, so it just, it does a whole bunch of stuff. It also can find accidental videos. Have you ever done that? Like you go to take a picture and you actually have it on video and you shoot like four second videos. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just a great, like I said, it's a, it's a triage photo app. And if you're the kind of person who pushes the button a bunch of times when you're taking pictures of family and friends or your dog, and you don't want to end up with all that garbage in your library, an app like this is golden because it allows you to just kind of get down to the keepers and throw everything else out. I should have included that in the photos field guide. In hindsight. <laughs> I, I'm going to do an update of the photos field guide, a free update after they release the new operating system. I, I think I'm going to add it because it's just, it's that good. Anyway, not too expensive. I think it's eight bucks. Uh, so, and you get a free download, but eight bucks gives you all those additional features. Another photo app that I just love is called Touch Retouch. Have you ever used this app, Stephen? Uh, I haven't, but when I saw it in your list, I downloaded it, but haven't played with it yet. Uh, it's it's amazing because it just does, you know, that Photoshop feature where you want to remove the background of something. Mm-hmm. It does that. It, it does that on your phone and it does it very convincingly, you know, so like, if you've got a picture of somebody and then you realize there's like a telephone pole in the background or something, you can remove it. We took, uh, my daughter and I went out to eat, you know, that happens now. So there's like an outdoor restaurant. We went, we took the dog with us and we're sitting in all the middle of all these people. And I took a picture of the dog and she was leashed of course, cause we're out in the world. And, um, then I used touch retouch to remove the leash and sent it to my wife and my other daughter. And they both like completely freaked out. They're like, well, how, where's her leash? You know, <laughs> you just, just take the leash off. It's okay. You know, touch, retouch. So 
it's, it, it also works on like skin blemishes and zits and stuff like that. But what I really find it useful for is when you take a picture and you just want to do something to the background and it's a $2 app. And it's like, this used to be a feature that you needed like a multi-thousand dollar computer yeah. and very expensive Adobe software to do. And you had to have real expertise. Now you just load the app, you load the picture and you smear your finger over the part you want to wipe out and it's gone. Yeah, this is one of those things that I learned in college in like a Photoshop class. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. great. Now it's just really easy to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know there's a lot of great photo utilities out there, but this is one that I I really find myself using, you know, just like, or, or like we'll go to Disneyland and take a picture and then there'll be some weirdo in the background, you know, and I'm like, I don't want that weirdo in my picture. Touch, retouch, and he's gone. Um, and I think I had one more. Oh, Taylor is another one. This one's kind of a nerd niche product, but sometimes you want to take screenshots of apps that are bigger than the screen that you have to scroll down on. Taylor is an app that stitches them together. You know, like if I ever want to put up a, a shortcut, you know, uh, printout, I can do it with Taylor. So if you ever need to take a screenshot of more than just one screen of something that scrolls, Taylor is a great app for that. Yeah, I really like it. So you go through and you take us, you take your screenshots, you know, by scrolling down your screen. You need some overlap, and then you open Taylor, and it has the most recent screenshots in it. And you just say, "Yes, I want to combine all of these," and then you can export it out. It's it's one that I've used for a long time, exactly for the same reason you said. Sometimes I need to document long screens on my yeah. iPhone, and yeah. it does a, a great job. And it's really pretty quick. Again, this is something that. Stitching photos together in Photoshop, something I learned in school. Now I just hit a button on my phone. Three bucks. I, ha- I have one last one that's photo adjacent, okay. and it's a wallpaper app. You know, it's like, I know everybody's groaning wallpaper apps. I, I feel like wallpaper apps are like the the home of fraud in the app store. There are so many apps in the app store that are like, that's where you like download an app about cool wallpaper and find out that it's charging you $20 a week subscription. Right. Right. You know, (laughs) I mean, there is like, there are so many like terrible actors in that space. And the only thing worse is like, um, these people that are making these apps to try and customize the, the look of your screen, you know, like, uh, taking what David Smith did with widget Smith and uh, like, but, but using it for evil, you know? So there's a lot of stuff in there that you can get in trouble with when you download these from unknown developers that you'd be pay very careful attention to whether they have built in secret subscriptions or anything. But I've got one that I love called the wallpaper and background app, and that's the name of it. You can search for it, but I would recommend just using the link in our show notes. So you don't get stuck with one of these, uh, fraudster apps, but it's just a really great idea. It's not a bunch of images that the guy took off the internet, but it, it dynamically generates like pretty colors with kind of a pretty graphic behind it. They're not images. They're just, you know, real simple, like colors and shapes, which I prefer for my backgrounds on my, uh, and wallpapers. I don't want anything too noisy. Cause I do have a lot of widgets and things up and, the way it works is if you go right to left, it's got different kind of theme looks. And if you go up and down, it get or you, I'm sorry, you don't go up and down. You just tap the screen. It changes the color scheme and it comes up with random complementary color schemes. And once you find one you like, then you can save it to your wallpaper. And uh, it's just really smart the way they did it. It's for the Mac, iPhone and iPad. So you can even make Mac wallpaper with it. And uh, it's the only wallpaper app I've ever downloaded that I kept. 
And I think it's, uh, how much is it? Three bucks. No, $2 to unlock premium. But even without the unlock, you've got plenty of nice looking wallpaper. Very cool. I think the only image one that I have that we haven't touched on is an app called Double Take. It's by the folks who make Filmic Pro, which is this professional camera app for the iPhone and iPad. But what Double Take lets you do, and it was featured in a Apple keynote at some point. So if this sounds familiar, that's uh, that's why. But it lets you record video from more than one camera on your phone at a time. So if you want to record the front and back camera at the same time, you can. Uh, if you want to capture two different focal lengths of the same subject, so say that you want to use the wide and ultra wide lens or the ultra wide and the telephoto lens, you can do those at the same time. So you're capturing the exact same thing and record them separately, or you can record them in like a split screen. So they're 50 50. So if you have an interview or something, you could, uh, you could stick an iPhone in between you and record with double take. It's pretty sweet. Uh, extremely specific but if you're in the situation where you need to record something like that, it's the by far the best way to do it. As opposed to having, you know, two phones and trying to sync them or something. If one phone can physically see what you want, then double take could record it for you. I didn't realize you could use two different front facing cameras at the same time with this app. The two different rear uh rear cameras, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I guess how you look at it. Yeah, you know, the on the back of the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty so that, pretty cool. That's pr- that's pretty useful. And this mm-hmm. is a free app. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's 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 wild. My only other image one, and this is stretching the definition of an image app, but it's called Sticker Book. Remember iMessage apps? Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. This is an iMessage app. Stick with me. But you can create your own stickers. So if you wanted to have stickers of your children making goofy faces or Tim Cook making goofy faces or whatever it is. Uh, Sticker book lets you pull a photo from your image library, pick the crops, there's a bunch of different fun crops, like a heart shape or an oval or a circle, like a thought bubble, and then it will save them as stickers you can use in iMessage. I am downloading this. I will find uses for this. Pretty sweet. Yeah, my kids are old now. They're not as cute, but my dog is cute. There you go. You can can have a whole pack of... uh, of dog stickers to send to people. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, I've got some utilities in here that I thought I'd get through. One is, uh, this came up on the show with Sal Segoyan, text case. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a $3 app. And if you deal with text at all on your iPhone or iPad, you should have this in your tool belt. It allows you to like remove the carriage returns or get all caps or do all the weird stuff you need to do with text. Um, and this was something that was always the domain of the Mac for many years. Like all the the mobile apps for this were terrible. And text case is not. Text case is great. And uh, $3. I mean, come on. Another utility that I would recommend is Alfred Remote. And we've talked about Alfred on the show quite a bit. I've become an Alfred devotee over the last couple of years because of, you know, all the third party stuff they have. And we covered Alfred recently on an episode of The Automators. And I didn't realize it till we were working on the, the Automator show, but there was a little thing in the settings, you know, use it with Alfred Remote. And I'm like, what is that? And so I downloaded the app. It's I think it was five bucks. 
but it gives you like a full suite of tools to control your Mac from your iPhone or iPad. And there are other apps that do this. Usually they install some kind of server tool on your Mac. Alfred is a company, the developer is somebody I trust. You know, I feel like they're, they're trustworthy. So putting in the ability to like remote into my Mac and turn off the screen or shut it down is something I, I'm okay with through them. And it's a nice looking app and you can go further with it than that. I usually just use it for just what I described. You know, if I want to turn off the screen or whatnot, because my, my Mac is in a central location in the house and I'll go up to bed and realize that the screen's still lit up. I can just pull out my phone and turn it off with Alfred. And uh, for five bucks, that's pretty nice. That would actually make sense for you with your studio. Really, if you went back in the house, you could go and you know, turn things off without going back outside. Yeah, I need to check that out because I use Alfred as well, but I haven't played with Alpha Remote in years. I need to revisit that. Yeah, it's good. $5. In the utility category, uh, I've got one that is maybe the most well-known application on this list because it's <laughs> one of the most well-known applications uh, for Period. iPhone users, and that's Widgetsmith. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, by our friend uh, Dave. And Widgetsmith lets you make custom widgets for iOS and iPadOS. It has a bunch of different types. You have calendars and photos and time zones and on and on and on this app absolutely blew up when ios 14 shipped with widgets uh it's yeah. free to use there's a uh, a monthly in-app purchase of two bucks that you only need if you need access to things like weather information basically things that dave has to pay for yeah but you can build almost anything in it it really kicked off this customization really renaissance we're seeing and he's just right, right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Which Apple completely ignored with iOS 15. <laughs> yeah, no real changes, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple here. I, these are also a package deal uh, related to shortcuts. And if you're interested in shortcuts, I would once again recommend my podcast, Automators with Rosemary, where we talk about shortcuts almost every episode. But the... Uh, there's two third-party apps that I think are just really worth owning, no matter how deep you want to go into shortcuts. The first one is called Toolbox Pro, and Steven mentioned it earlier. And the idea behind this is the developer just said, okay, I want to think of all of the things that Apple should have included in shortcuts and didn't, and then I'm going to build that. And like uh, one of my frequent complaints about iOS is that it's really hard to add tags to files. And he has created shortcuts actions to add custom tags. So like that problem is solved with shortcuts. Now I still think Apple needs to solve it native to the iOS, but if I want to add tags with shortcuts, I do that with toolbox pro. And there's just a whole list of them in here. The app is all of $6 and it's just like adding a Swiss army knife to your, uh, your shortcuts. And there are several developers making apps like this. And I like all of them. Honestly, I bought them all. Uh, shortcuts is my favorite but i like the others too but uh, if you're just going to get one i would get toolbox pro and he's already announced that he's bringing it over to mac once the shortcuts for the mac ship so you know that's what i like to hear the second one is data jar and are you familiar with this app steven uh, a little bit but not okay, so, i don't it's not on installed on my devices yeah 
the problem with shortcuts is that there's no permanent memory for shortcuts. I guess this is the easiest way to put it. Like you don't have like a global variable system. Like on the Mac, you can actually save data to your Mac's drive that other apps can then access. That's the way computers work. But with shortcuts, it's one time. You generate data when you run the shortcut. Once the shortcut's done, it's all dumped out of memory. It's a security measure and a bunch of other things. Um, so um, data jar was made to give you a permanent location where you can put data, like you can put your phone number in it or whatever. And anytime you want to call that data in a shortcut, you can get it out of data jar. So it's like permanent data for shortcuts. Okay. And it's just really handy. I mean, there was a bunch of ways people were doing this with like the clipboard and like a bunch of really like hacky ways to do a data jar just kind of solves the problem. Again, I would really love for shortcuts to get this kind of support, but now that we have data jar, which is $5, you can use it, you know, right on your device. So those are some shortcuts related tools, but okay. um, they're under $10 and I use them all the time. So yeah. they made the list. Uh, well, I just have uh, just a couple more on my list. Right. Uh, the first is Dice by PCalc, our friend James Thompson. Yeah. It is a dice rolling app. So if you're playing a bunch of different types of games and you, need, and you dice, you can have all sorts of different types. So two side, four side, six, eight, up to 20. Or uh, You can customize the look and feel of them. It has a bunch of Easter eggs, including uh, a Relay FM mode from some jokes on another podcast. This is an app that in by no means should be as complicated or beautiful as it is, but that's the kind of software James makes. And so if you, uh, you know, if you're like me and you have kids and uh, you go to pull a board game out of the closet and it's missing a dice, you can just load this up on your phone or uh, even the Apple TV, which I think is a lot of fun if you're playing a game with a group of people. But uh, Dice by Peacock is, is pretty sweet. And it's, it all uses you know, the newest like 3d graphics stuff from Apple. So it always looks really amazing. Yeah. James always spends like an extraordinary amount of time on a small thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, I just need to know in the Hackett family, like yeah. when you're playing a game and the die rolls off the table, right? You know how that happens once in sure. a while. What's the rule? I mean, do you guys re-roll that die or does everybody get on the floor to see what it came out? You, you all got to look on the floor. Yeah, where it yeah, stops. That's right. You're raising them right. Yeah, you know, it'd be kind of a cool feature if James could add this to where, like, like when you press the die button, just occasionally your phone would like shake so much that it fell off the table. That would be kind of <laughs> funny, right? You know, it's just like a real day. I think that'd be good. I'm not sure you could pull that off, but if anybody could, it would be James. It would be. Yeah. And lastly, is just watch. If you're like me, you have, I don't know a bunch of streaming services hooked up to your yeah. Apple TV, right? Amazon prime, Netflix, YouTube, uh, Hulu, all sorts of different things. And it can be hard to remember or to discover where things are streaming. Like, Hey, I just want to watch this movie. I don't want to go through three or four or five or six apps on my Apple TV. And not all of them take advantage or are into Apple's universal search system, even though I wish they were. So Just Watch is uh, an iPhone app, and it basically fills this gap. So you can search and see where things are. There's also a trending section. So 
if someone's talk, you know, if there's a lot of buzz about a new streaming show, chances are it'll be in trending or top picks in the Just Watch app, so you don't even have to go searching for it. And I've just found it to be pretty indispensable uh, in our household. There's an Apple TV version as well, but I actually really like it on the on the phone. Uh, that is sort of where it jives for me. So it has become kind of like the, uh, you know, like the TV guide for our family in the the streaming era. Yeah, this is really nice. I, I wasn't aware this existed. There used to be a website called Can I Stream It or Can You Stream It that I would go to occasionally. But this looks way better. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And they've got a, um, looks like they've got a, a pro version. How much is that? The uh, the pro version, I think, is a, like a $2.50 in-app purchase. Wow. Okay, so you you missed the ten dollar with that, but are you the pro version or are you just using the basic version? Uh, I think I'm using the pro version. I'd have to look. Still, it looks like something really useful. Yeah, yeah, I'm using the the pro version. Uh, so yeah, two bucks, three bucks for in app purchase. Uh, so yeah. well under the the ten and uh, pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to check this out. Looks like you got a game on here too, Steven. I do have a game. I've got one game. Uh, people who listen to Mac Power users know that I'm I'm not a big game person, but I do like turn by turn games, uh, especially that are sort of like uh, strategy games. And the one that I've been hooked on for quite a while now is called uh, Two Spies, and basically it's you versus another person and. Uh, it's kind of like risk sort of, but a more modern take on that turn-based strategy game. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It is one of those games. that seems very simple when you start it. And then you realize that there's a whole lot of strategy you can employ, uh, and it ramps up from there, but, uh, I've really enjoyed it and it is free to download and play. And there's a couple of in-app purchases. The most expensive one is $4. So very inexpensive, compared to, you know, a bunch of games that want you to buy gems or something. None of that, none of that stuff in Two Spies. Yeah, I have, um, I didn't put any games on because I've kind of gone all in with Apple Arcade. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got the Apple Pro account, so we've got Apple Arcade now, and there's a bunch of games in there. I play Good Sudoku, um, uh, Tiny Crossword, and, like, there's a bunch, there's just a bunch of them that I play. Nothing too fancy, but... I didn't really think they fit in the under $10 because it involves a big subscription and all that. Maybe one day we'll come back and talk about some of our favorite Apple arcade games. Are you doing any of those arcade games or is it just two spies? Uh, A a few, uh, but they're all on the iPad. So they're not really in the scope of this, but I love that Apple is bringing back old classic iOS games and like funding them to be rebuilt or like updated to work in the modern era. I think that's a really cool initiative and so some of you know some games that we all used to love are making a comeback on apple arcade yeah agreed agreed well gang i hope we didn't spend too much of your money today uh, <laughs> but, uh, i bought several on steven's recommendation hopefully you found a few for yep. mine um uh, this goes up in the forum if you've got you know games under or if you've got apps under ten dollars that you think other um listeners should know about log into the forum let us know what your favorite $10 game is. Maybe we'll add a few of them to the next feedback show. 
Um, I really love just the general trend coming out of software these days in the Apple ecosystem where so much of this stuff is not just iPhone. It's iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And uh, that's true from Apple, and it's also true from third-party developers. More of that, please. And I think that's just one of the the benefits of Apple Silicon. I think so, too. And I think as time moves forward, we'll just see more and more of these apps just be everywhere, which is really what we all want. Yeah. And we're still in this weird phase where you can buy an Intel Mac and you can buy an Apple Silicon Mac, but hopefully that'll be over soon. I mean, the rumors keep coming. MacBook Pros, hopefully later this year, maybe a new MacBook Air next year. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, before we let you go, I'll tell you about another show here on Relay FM, and that is Material. Uh, it's hosted by Andy and Flo, and they cover the world of Google and Android. So if you are uh, maybe a Mac user but have uh, an Android phone or have somebody in your life who's in on that side of things, tell them to check out Material. It's it's a lot of fun. Andy and Flo are great. And uh, you can check it out at relay.fm slash material. Thank you to our sponsors, Smile, Indeed, and Pingdom. We're the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. All the shows are there. The forum is over at talk.macpowerusers.com. And we'll see you next week.